What's up and welcome back to the Something's Brewing podcast. This is episode 13. Episode 13. 13. 13. Episode 13 of the Something's Brewing podcast. Proudly brought to you by BNG Productions. You can follow them on Twitter at BNG Productions. Um, you can follow myself, Mike Sullivan, on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan. And you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore. Yep. We got a lot to talk about today. Uh, we got three games in particular that we're going to cover. We got the uh, Anaheim Ducks game, the Minnesota Wild game, and the Dallas Star game of last night. And depending on when you are listening to this, a couple nights ago. But before we jump into any of that, Mel, how was your weekend? What did you do? Uh, anything exciting? Uh, my weekend was good. I, w- I did. Damn it. I always know you're going to ask me this and I'm never prepared. <laughs> I did I did nothing again. This is like the third weekend in a row. I've done <laughs> absolutely nothing on my weekends. I um okay. I planned oh this might have been I don't know if this was this weekend or the pre no, I think this was this weekend. I'm going to uh Disney World with my aunt in January. Oh. So she came over and we were planning that a little bit. That should be a lot of fun. Um other than that, I just oh you know what I did do? little nerdy but whatever the new the new um call of duty modern warfare 2 campaign dropped on friday so i i i bought that friday night and i beat it sunday morning it was really good if you're oh yeah i know i know i see your face you grinded you grinded i did i had nothing else to do no nobody was around i think you were working on saturday weren't you so i couldn't even do anything with you some of the other boys were busy so i was like ah i'll just keep grinding away at this campaign and then all of a sudden the credits were rolling i was like what the hell i oops <laughs> i accidentally went ahead and beat the campaign but it was good online comes out this friday and shameless plug but if you follow our twitter account you know that sully and i play a lot of nhl 23 eashl on our twitch at tumbling muffins no g we might be getting back into some war zone pretty soon Yes. I know you and I were playing a little bit last weekend. We're extremely rusty. We're not professional by any means, but we can definitely handle our own. Um, we'll we'll get a, a few uh, rusty games out of the way, then maybe we'll start streaming a game or two of Warzone. But what about you? What did you do this weekend? Anything new? This weekend, really, uh, I mean, last week I got to go to the Ducks game. That was cool. Um, mm. We were... Me and my friend Matt, we were on the glass right behind Anaheim's bench, which I'll tell you, great experience. You know, you get great views. Um, you get to troll around with the coaches and the and the Ducks players a little bit. But half the time, just being that close, uh, you're blocked by the coaches. You're blocked by some of the players. So I found myself kind of staring up at the uh, at the Jumbotron for maybe, you know, half the game. But, but by the time it got to a shootout, that was – hard to have better seats than that i got to see everything up close so it was cool um definitely still a bleacher creature at heart i would still take bleacher seats over those but but nevertheless great seats um other than that really just you know spent my time working grinding and then uh coming home and getting ready for the podcast honestly um did, did you uh, my, did you notice anything interesting when you were behind the ducks bench did you pick up on anything weird that they were doing um other than the fact that they don't know how to play hockey no really. <laughs> <laughs> did you see not to cut you off did you see that circulating on twitter the video of uh, the maple leafs like trainer whenever oh. there's a play going on with all the sticks behind him yes. and whenever like he watches the play and whatever player on the Maple Leafs has the puck, he turns around and puts his hand on their stick, 
and he lines Crazy. all the sticks up in an order in case somebody breaks their stick and they need to get a new one. He's already had his hand on the stick. And like to watch the video, it was like 20 seconds long, and he's going up and down, putting hands on his stick, like his his eyes never leave the ice. It was amazing. And I think part of that is because there was a video that was there was a couple different accounts that tweeted that video, but every single Twitter video, every single video, every single tweet that had that video, there was a response underneath it of somebody replying with Nikita Kucherov when he broke yes. his stick. And he was at the bench and nobody was there for his stick. And he just took his glove off and whipped it in the bench. He was so <laughs> mad. <laughs> so dramatic. I'm pretty sure, too. I'm pretty sure Colorado came down and, like, scored, too. So, like, yeah, I'm pretty sure they did. But, um, I mean, I feel like after watching that video, I was thinking to myself, I was like, that, that might be harder than, like, solving a Rubik's Cube. Like, you have yeah. to know everything in the instant moment. Like, you just need yeah. to know. And I saw people saying, too, like, that's interesting. Like, I wonder if he uh, – okay, do you think he lines his sticks up in numerical order, or do you think he puts them in the order of their lines and D pairings? Ooh, I bet you he puts them in order of lines and D pairings because that way you can minimize it, and then you know, like, this line's out there. Okay, I got this section. That's what I thought, too, but there was a point in the video where he was, like, on his left, like, on the left side of the sticks, like, touching sticks, and all of a sudden, he went all the way to his right and, like, went over there. So, I was like, well, maybe that's because, like, the first, the guy who just had the puck was, like, number five, and then he passed it to number 88, so he had to, like, reach down there. But then, if it was a forward to a defenseman, you could have them on different sides of the line there, so... I don't know. That's a only good way we're gonna too, only way we're gonna figure this out is if we ask the man ourselves. But that's interesting. I didn't know that teams had a designated stick hander offer guy <laughs> who's just there running his hands on sticks the whole time to make sure whoever breaks the stick gets theirs back in time. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's gonna be stressful too. You, I, I mean, if someone breaks their stick, because you've seen videos, someone breaks their stick and then three seconds later they have another stick. Like, yeah, and that's yeah. all the trainers. That's all on the trainers and. It's definitely not an easy job, and it's it's such an easily overlooked position too. In oh yeah, in, in hockey teams and just sports teams in general, it's stuff you don't even think about. And then even like, wow, we're giving some trainers some love right now. But oh yeah, pumping their tires. Yeah, and, it, and it's so. it's like like you obviously have to like be there for the player or whatever they're going through as well. But also like like they're like masters of the equipment. It's crazy. You'll see a player like pop a blade out, and suddenly the equipment manager's right there with the next blade. Or they use that torch thing on uh, the yeah. the tape on on the shaft of sticks. I remember back in the old days before you could pop your blade out, they had uh, a skate sharpening machine in the hallway, and the camera would show it. A player would get back to the bench, take his skate off, hand it to the equipment manager, and he's over there in the hallway sharpening the skate. And then guys, like a player loses an edge or something, and runs it back, and the guy's tying his laces back on the bench. <laughs> they don't get enough credit for all the crap no, they, they don't. do. They really don't. They're the unsung heroes of the NHL. Um, they, they really are. I didn't expect us to go on a little like trainer love segment yeah. here, but, but they deserve hey, it. If you see a trainer, give them a hug, huh? Give them they, a hug. They work, a local they work hard a hug. for what they do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, so shout out to the trainers. Um, but let's let's jump into this um Anaheim Ducks game. By the way, your Boston Bruins right now are six one and oh. They're number one in the league. Um, the only team in second, hilariously, is Bruce Cassidy's Vegas Golden Knights. Um, two teams that a lot of fans were projecting to take a step back this year. Um, I believe the Bruins had, just off the top of my head, uh, I think they had 51 wins last year and 107 points. And that's a team without David Krejci. I mean, that was a team with Eric Halla as your second-line center. No dig at Eric Halla, 
great player, but he's no David Krejci. Um, and and they're doing this without, you know, key players. Marshawn McAvoy, Grizzly just came back. Uh, we'll talk we'll talk about them later in a in a whole complete different thing. But we've heard nothing but good news, especially today about uh, Brad Marshan. But um, yeah, let's jump right into this Ducks game. Um, Boston wins two to one in a shootout. Um, it was a very tightly contested game. Uh, Allmark had 30 saves on 31 shots. Got, he's on fire right now. Easily a top five goalie in the NHL at this moment. Not saying, you know, over the whole course of the season, but right now in this moment, definitely a top five goalie. Um, and the only two goals that Boston got that game were from Taylor Hall. He had the, I think, I believe it was a second period goal. And then he had the lone shootout goal to take the two points and take the W back into the Boston locker room. Um, what did you think of the game? Well, you kind of stole my thunder there a little bit. It was going to say, I think this was just another staple win by Linus Allmark. Make sure we say his Linus. name right. Yeah, he is yeah. on one hell of a uh, one hell of a streak here to start the season. My God, and all the conversations we've been having about it, are they going to split games? Who's the 1A? Who's the 1B guy? I think Linus Allmark has, has very loudly told you he's the number one goalie of this team right now. Yep. And if if, if everything goes as planned, if he keeps playing how he, how he is, you're definitely right. He has to be in that talk for the Vezna. I know we're you know, four starts into the season or five starts, however many he's had. But there, you're hard to find a goalie who's played better than Linus Allmark to start the year so far. Um, I thought this game, I thought that the Bruins, for the most part, I thought – we're really outplaying the Ducks. You know, they had, I think it was 37 shots on net, which is a high number. They dominated them in the faceoff. I think numbers were like 42 to 20 or something like that. Um, It's a shame that it, it had to go in a shootout and the Ducks got a win out of it. Cause again, that, I mean, sorry, a point out of it. Cause the Ducks aren't exactly a good team, but um, you know, the Bruins are still battling some injuries. This was coming off of a, 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 a just a, a horrible loss on the, by the hands of the senators. Um, but you know, that there's things you could nitpick. There's things you can complain about, but at the end of the day, they won the game. Um, you know, there's things you can take away and, uh, Linus Allmark, I thought was a star of the show for this one. Yeah. And just saying too, like his stats, uh, six games in he's five Oh and Oh with a goals against averages, 2.01 and a save percentage of 0.936. That's, I mean, you, it's hard to that, get I mean, better it, than that. Yeah. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. Yeah, and that's with zero shutouts too. So he's, you know, it's not like a shutout is inflating those numbers at all. He's letting up one or two rolls a game. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind it, of insane. And even like, like you know, uh, we've talked about it enough. This is a depleted defensive unit. You know, Carlo wasn't here for this game either. They didn't have. A, did did Grizzly come back against the Ducks, or did he come back after this game? Honestly, off the top of my head, I'm not sure. Well, either way, you don't have McAvoy either. I mean, that's a depleted defensive unit in front of them. Um, they were coming off the worst defensive game I've seen the Bruins play in quite a while. And some of these opportunities and some of these looks that the Ducks were getting, and, and you know, this game was last week, but some of the looks that the other teams have been getting while Omar has been playing have been really good chances, and he's done a great job of building them out. And that's yeah. what you're going to have to continue to see at the beginning of the year. I mean, the, the Bruins are 6-1. and one. It's not just because of, you know, the second line is finally producing. It's not just because, uh, you know, Felino's playing well. You know, A.J. Greer's playing well. The defensive unit is is had a couple bad games, but is stepping up when they need to be. It really all starts with Olmark. I mean, if 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 you have a if, – if Swayman plays like how he played against Ottawa um, – you have some concerns there and you're not going to be winning a lot of games. So the one, a one B condom and having um, 
uh, Omar play as well as he has so far has been huge for the Bruins getting off to the start they've been off to so far. Yeah, especially because you have Jeremy Swayman who just doesn't look like Jeremy Swayman right now. He he looks shaky. Yeah. He looks nervous. He looks out of position. Um, his rebound control has been real bad. Which I'm not I'm not saying he's you know this is how he's going to play all season. He's just had a rough beginning, and it's and it's just um, it's it's it, it helps um build the case for Linus Allmark, Linus Allmark. Um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it, it helps you know support his uh his play and how important it really is for him to have this hot start you have one goalie who's had the polar opposite start of all mark and swayman and he's you you know you go with you have to go with all mark right now for any big game you go you and you roll with all mark 100 percent. yeah but like even even six the bruins are six one and oh and it's not like the bruins have had a cakewalk of games either they started against washington they had that game against arizona yeah cakewalk they played florida after that's not a cakewalk they played the Senators, not a cakewalk anymore. They lost. Um, the Ducks, you could argue it's a cakewalk, but they still have some good players. Gibson's a good goalie. Zegris, Troy Terry. Um, no, that's it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then, you got, then you got Minnesota, and then and then Dallas last night. It's not. It's not like it's been an easy schedule for Boston. They're playing good teams, good teams that are going to be competing for playoff spots outside of. Really, Arizona. I could see Anaheim competing. They're not going to be a good team, but they could compete. It's not a it's not a W when you see them on the schedule, but um, mm. but yeah, they've played well so far. Um, good to see them get those two points against the Ducks, and then they played a matinee game against the Minnesota Wild, which for me, I was at work, so I had to listen to it on the radio. But I watched the highlights when I got home, and oh my god, that. That game was probably the most electric game of the season, maybe competing with that Florida game. Um, but but either way, uh, that game was electric. The Bruins got the win 4-3 to three in overtime. Um, Taylor Hall had three points. He had a goal and two assists. Pasta, he had a goal and an assist. Lindholm had a goal. Felino had a goal. Um, that The Taylor Hall goal, too, the overtime goal was – an absolutely filthy pass from David Pasternak. Like disgusting. Mm. Disgusting. That second line. Oh. I, I had a tweet today I was just complaining to you about before the show started. I thought was gonna do I thought was gonna bang. I put some work into that poor Photoshop, but that second line has been wheeling to start the year. Nails. Seven combined points against the Minnesota Wild, a game that you just squeaked out in overtime. And your second line was all over the ice. You just said Taylor Hall. He had three points that game. He had the overtime winner. He had the shootout goal winner. That's only two goals of the game before uh, against the Ducks. I mean, that second line is insane. And I think you still have Marshan coming back. I mean, the flexibility, <laughs> which we'll get into in a little bit, but the flexibility that this Bruins team has when that second line is playing as well as it as well as it has been to start the year. I just put out uh, that tweet I put out earlier today. The Bruins' second line is averaging almost four points per game. And I know it's a small sample size. It's only seven point, uh, seven games. But, like, these are guys who haven't really played a lot of hockey together before this year. Krejci wasn't on the team last year. Taylor Hall hasn't played with Krejci. Uh, you know, Pasta and Krejci have that connection because they're Czech guys. They've been on the team together for a while. But still, this is a new line. I mean, Krejci and Pasta weren't playing together in the Bruins really before this year started. And to put those three guys together, I know we were all hype about the Czech line. But, like, to see Hall, Krejci, and Pasta – 
just go out and, and they're guaranteed for a couple of goals every game. And then when Marshan comes back on that first time with Bergeron and Nebraska or whoever the hell it's going to be, I uh, get excited because that like the Bruins haven't had that kind of consistency, that kind of offensive output from any other line other than the perfection line in years. And years. that's really what they're, that's really what they're going to need this year with all the injuries they have with the aging core that they have, they need depth and they need guys in the third and fourth line to step up. But none of it works if that second line isn't producing and to watch the way they've been playing to start this year, you have to be, excited and optimistic about the rest of this year if they're going to continue to perform the way that they have so far yeah absolutely and um Olmark was in net for that game as well um statistically probably i mean i can't say it's his worst game because he still played well but mm-hmm. allowed allowed three goals on 27 shots um some of them weren't you know some of them were those goals where you're like ah nothing you can do about that one. Like that one's going in on any goalie yeah. most of the yeah. time, unless, unless he's Vasilevsky or Shostarkin. Um, But yeah, good to see the Bruins get two points out of Minnesota as well. A struggling team right now, but um, also just, you know, a team that's going to be good and probably more than likely will find its way into a playoff spot when the season ends. Um, so good to see them get a win against those guys. Um, and then last night's game, uh, against the stars that game was great too they they played well the thing about the Bruins this year is that it seems like from the get-go they've just been every single player has been so confident in what they're doing and and every line that they roll out seems to know what their role is and they all play it so well and they understand what they have to do they're playing with confidence they're playing with pace and and the chemistry for honestly all four lines is solid Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that 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 this game against the Stars was really a game that that they needed Olmark to to play as well as he has been playing. I mean, I thought it was a really back and forth game. The Dallas Stars are a good team. Um, I mean, the the numbers from this game in terms of shots, faceoff wins, time on attack, everything was nearly identical. I just thought it was a really good hockey game, and you had a really good goalie over there in uh, Jake Ottinger in Dallas, and and you got a really good goalie over here now in, in Swayman. I think it was a battle of Swayman. And Olmark, although hopefully swimming can be that. Hopefully swimming can be an Onager kind of guy someday. But you know, I thought it was a really good goalie battle, and I hope this is this is more to come because there's some good goalies in this division. There's some good goalies in this conference, and you're gonna need Olmark to play well. And I thought that he played really well against Dallas the other night. I thought that that game could have went either way. I thought it was back and forth, and I think you just had the better goalie at the end of the night. And I think that's that's what contributed to the Bruins win. Yeah. Um... I mean, when you're talking about it too, because Omar had he let in one goal on 31 shots, uh, so 30 saves on 31. Um, Jake Ottinger, shout out Boston University Terriers, go be you, um, <laughs> Hockey East. Um, you know, it it really was a goalie battle. I mean, talk about another guy who's had a hot start to the season. Jake Ottinger has been unreal, and he's been yeah. a huge part of the Stars being as successful as they are early on in the season. Also, Tyler Sagan, he's been having kind of a uh, rebound year a little bit. But, um, yeah, Pasternak had a goal and an assist that game. Hall had another goal, and Bergeron sealed it with the empty net goal. Um, it's it's really, really, really encouraging to see Taylor Hall just buzzing out of the gate. And he's kind of weirdly doing it quietly. Like, I didn't know. he he's. I think he has seven points on the year already. I might be wrong about that. Um, but I think you're right. That, yeah, it's, it's, it's like seven or eight, maybe, maybe. Um, but either way, I mean, he's out of the gate hot and that's 
unreal to see. You need to you. He has six. Okay, so he has six six points. I was close, but um, <laughs> he's. I mean, that's what you want to see. He's your second line winger, and he's putting up six and seven. That's phenomenal. Oh yeah, and 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 that's second line's ability to kind of at times they dominate the offensive zone, and a lot of that is because of Taylor Hall. I mean, he's probably the best skater on the Bruins. He's one of the best skaters on the team, despite Felger's claims the other day on Sports Hub saying that Taylor Hall was a horrible skater. Hang on, Taylor hang Hall, on, hang no, on. yeah, you can go for it. He cannot talk hockey. None of those guys at ninety-eight <laughs> five know what they're talking about when they come to. I hockey. know it is so frustrating. It's, it's I don't even listen to it anymore. The second they they say Bruins, change the channel, put something else on because I don't know what the hell they're talking about. But what Taylor Hall's on? a Taylor, yeah, Taylor Hall's ability <laughs> to get the puck to carry the puck into the offensive zone and set up plays or set up pressure, whatever it might be, is so paramount to that second line's ability to produce in the offensive zone. His entry is it's a small part of 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 a winger or a center or an offensive player's game, but he consistently gets the puck. He can carry the puck from your own zone into the into the opponent team zone and constantly make the right plays. And that's so important. I remember we used to always talk about Pasta. When Pasta first joined the Bruins, when he was like 18 or 19, he was horrible with the puck on his stick because he yeah. would always cough it up. He would always, like, if he was carrying the puck into the other team's zone, he was trying to dangle through two guys. He was losing the puck. He's trying to force a pass. And you could see how that could stagnate and stall an offense. And hmm. Taylor Hall, I mean, Pasta's not that guy anymore. He's great now. but. Taylor Hall is the exact opposite of that. I don't know if you just heard the ping. My freaking mom just texted me. But Taylor Hall is Taylor Hall is the exact opposite of that, where he'll carry the puck in. He's got eyes in the back of his head. He'll settle the puck, and he'll set up plays, which is so important when you have a, a, a playmaker like Krejci, and you got a guy who's just freaking teeing up from the top of the circle like pasta and going bar down every time. So oh that's a God. huge reason that second line is working as well as it is, is because of the play and the, the puck consistency that you're getting from Taylor Hall. That goal that he had against Dallas was yeah, it was so disgusting, dude. It dude, was a he's it's it's nip. like he's his that's what he does, especially on the power play. His ability to just sit there on the hash mark or like between the face-off dot and the top of the circle and just wait for somebody to slide up slide the puck his way for a one-timer. He started to creep into OV territory where that's almost automatic for pasta. You see like every every power play goal that pasta gets is just like that. A one-timer, just grip it and rip it right from the from the face-off dot, beating the goalie short side, doing whatever he has to do. And it's starting to become an almost automatic thing where player the players got to look out for that. When you got you always got to have your head on a swivel because pasta's over here. Well, that opens up backdoor passing lanes. You can get guys cutting. I mean, having pasta there, just ripping clappers from that faceoff thought is is huge for the success of the power play unit. Dude, just having him stand there, just literally just having him stand there opens up lanes <laughs> for other guys to just sit in some wide yeah. open area of the ice. Like, yeah, and I, it's funny you said that because I was actually going to mention that like he's obviously he's not there yet, but he's he's creeping into that territory, like you said, of like that OV power play spot where he just kind of mm -hmm. sits there and waits for the one timer. And, and, yeah. and more often than not, he lets it rip and it goes in. No, it's 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 insane. It's it's the kind of play where like you see the Bruins start to set up, and then you can slowly see Pasta start moving down <laughs> to get in position. You're like, give it to him, give it to him. Yeah. The do whatever you, you got to do. He gets that little window of opportunity, and it's like, pass yeah. it. just yeah. give it to Pasta. Just give it to Pasta. He's, he's becoming automatic, and it's to the point where like if Pasta's hurt, like if he like I don't know breaks his hand or like breaks his leg or something, 
The Bruins should just dress him in case they go in the power play and just have him just <laughs> stand there right on the spot because even, like you said, just him being there is yeah. making the other team's defense have their head on a swivel and opening everything up because, listen, this guy's got no legs and he's in a wheelchair because he broke both of his knees, but he's still got that clap bomb, so you got to make <laughs> sure that somebody's in front of him so he can't rip that one-timer home. Yeah, I mean – <sighs> He's going to make – my prediction – this wasn't part of it, but we're going to do it anyways. My prediction for his contract is going to be eight years, $11.5 million. And if he wants to take a pay cut, it might be like $11 million, like a I 500K pay cut. What would – eight years, 11.5 would be what? Like, like 90, 80 – 90, 88. 90, 92? No, eight, Maybe. I don't eight know. years, I'm not a math eight years 11. Yeah, me either. Um <laughs> I would give him eight years. I would. I would. I would, I would give like, I mean, the it. cap is going to go up anyways. The cap is projected to go up. I think uh, three or four million dollars within the next couple of years. Like, pay him if now. He, if he wanted it, I would give him twelve. But I would. Then you start. 12. Yeah. Then you start getting a little hairy though, because then. I mean, honestly, I would I would write him a blank check. I would let him write. I would let him get as much money as he wants because I freaking love David Pasternak, but I never want to see him wear another sweater. But never. at the same time, you got to start thinking about building a team, you know. And and when have the Bruins ever had a player make over ten mil a year? I think what McAvoy's like nine and a half, isn't he? I think I think, I think McAvoy's no. I think the McAvoy's nine and a half. I don't know if they've ever had a ten million plus player. I don't think so. I don't think they have either. Michael and I think that, yeah, I think if, <laughs> I think if anybody deserves to be the first Bruins player to make double digits, it's David Pasternak. Make it happen, Don Sweeney. I'm optimistic though. I, I really think he's not going anywhere. He even said in an interview, it would have been a couple of weeks ago. We might have mentioned it before when they asked him, uh, you know, if if you wanted to get it done, stay in Boston. He was like, oh yeah, like I don't want to go anywhere else. You know, I, this is my home. I don't. I only want to play for the Bruins and. You know, it's just a matter of uh, signing the contract, basically. So we'll have to you see how much money he ends up getting in the long run. You know what's weird? What? The only team that my brain allows me to see him in another jersey, for some weird reason, is the Columbus Blue Jackets. For some Why? Weird... They don't have I the don't... money for him, do they? I, I don't know. I don't know, but him, Goudreau, and Line. I don't know. Goudreau's a winger, too. But I don't know. He's not going anywhere. We, we, let's not get sidetracked. Pasta's not going anywhere. It doesn't <laughs> even matter. It doesn't even matter. He's here for the year anyways. So hopefully Don Sweeney and Cam Neely and the rest of the front office can get something done. And we see uh, number 88 here for at least eight more years. I mean, rest of his career. His number will be hanging in the rafters someday. <laughs> Maybe with Chara. Uh, okay. All right. We need to get back on track anyways. But <laughs> so news broke today that. Um, Brad Marchand was taking, you know, taking practice drills alongside Bergeron and um, DeBrusque, right? So mm -hmm. clearly he's a little bit ahead of the schedule on his um, return to the lineup, much like Grizzik was to – they didn't even, like, say that he was going to come back. One day he was just like, oh, yeah, yeah he was Grizzik out there for warm-ups. The they were like, yeah. wait, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, so they just kind of dropped that on us. But um, it does seem like – Brad Marchand is way ahead of schedule than most of us thought. Um, Connor Ryan of 98.5 reported that he's expected to be in the lineup before Thanksgiving, which is huge. That is mm -hmm. huge. 
That's close. We're already uh, we're almost we're already almost in November. It's we're pretty August. much at Halloween, yeah. Like what is today? The twenty fourth, October twenty fourth. No, today's October twenty sixth. I don't I don't know the days anymore, man. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> but it's October twenty sixth. So Thanksgiving is less than a month away, and you're already saying Martian is almost back. Yeah. Uh, can the Boston Bruins be? any hotter right now i mean the training <laughs> the training staff is on fire getting these guys healthy again like <laughs> mcavoy was in the yeah. Nesson booth last night talking about the team like it's all good i saw your tweet that the uh, the bruins training staff deserves the seventh player the seventh player award for the amount of work that they've been doing this year to get these injured stars back who else should it's it be it's, it's 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 absolutely insane but um Boy, the lift that Marshan would give, not that this team needs a lift, but the lift that Marshan would give this team if he's back in the lineup, I was hoping that he would be playing tomorrow. I mean, I saw that, you know, Marshan skating on the top line. He's looking good. And I was like, oh, my gosh, is he going to be playing tomorrow? But not the case. But listen, I think they said originally that he would be back um, end of November into December. So like you said, if he comes back before Thanksgiving, my gosh, look out. We get Marshan back. We get McAvoy back. Things are going to start happening yeah, if they aren't like, already happening at right now. And like you said, too, like, yeah, you said, like, oh, I thought he was going to suit up tomorrow. So um, friend of BNG, Steve Conroy of the uh, of the Boston Herald, give him a follow on Twitter um, at Conroy Herald. He said he asked if tomorrow night was on the table for Marshawn and Marshawn laughed and said it's not up to him. So it sounds like oh, if, if they, he's, ready they to go. Him, he's ready, <laughs> like, he's ready oh, to go. He's ready to go. He feels gosh. good. That's you, what I get I, out of the tweet. You you had to feel good once once we saw those videos of him dancing at uh, Tuka's wedding on those injured hips jumping up and down. I, I was ready right then to put him back, have him play in the preseason. My God, this guy's fired up and good to go. But uh, that's another thing too is 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 I'm I'm very excited to get him back and I want him to come back soon. But keep in mind he is 34. A hip injury, a hip surgery is is a is a pretty serious surgery, especially for a player of Marshan's size, for a player who's as shifty and uses his hips and knees as much as he does. So you definitely don't want to rush a guy back, but you got to be excited for the return. I mean, how can you not be? I mean, everybody's back. The gang's back together. It's been so long since we've seen Marshan and Krejci out there on the same ice at the same time, and it's finally about to happen, and I cannot wait for it. Yeah, dude. And actually, you know what? Since we are on this conversation or on this topic of conversation about injuries, I feel like we should talk about Brandon Carlo because yeah. Brandon Carlo just had his fifth concussion, I believe. I could be wrong about that number, but I, I think know it's the more minimum. than that. It might be more. Um, I know the minimum is five. It might even be up to like six or seven. But you saw the hit that that gave him his most recent concussion. All, all it really was was a little bump on the glass and his, yeah. his head kind of whipped and that, that led to a concussion and outside of hockey, right? Just outside of hockey, just life in general, you never want to mess around with head injuries. You, mm-hmm. you just, it's, it's one of the injuries, like say like even Marshan, right? Say he comes back a little bit early from his hip surgery and he he it ends up being becoming a lingering effect later on in his life like damn my my hips just aren't the same as they used to be like blah 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 whatever like you can you can kind of deal with that right but mm-hmm. if if you have a head injury dude and you keep getting rattled like that and and you keep coming back and you just keep getting hit and hit and hit that's not something that you can just kind of deal with later on in life that's something that's going to affect you 
in the worst ways possible later on oh, in life. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, I, I think I remember he had that stretch where he had, I think it was four concussions in like less than a year, which is like extremely concerning. And for a guy like Brandon Carlo, I mean, he's 25 years old. He's got a kid. I believe he's married. He's got a wife and a kid. I mean, you got to start thinking about yourself as a player there as well. And, and you know, usually th- these guys, these you know, these professional athletes are willing to do anything to get on the ice, to get on the field, whatever it is to play. But at the same time, you know, you, you got to hope that he's looking out for himself as well. And and like you said, these concussions he's getting, like it's not like he's getting lit up at center ice. Like he got, he got bumped against the boards and just kind of ricocheted his head off the glass. And next thing you know, he was out with a concussion. Yeah. I mean, that – that's a little concerning and you know especially like in hockey um or football per se you know you you talk about cte and the effects that that repeated head trauma has on on you your personality um your brain it affects every part of somebody's life to the point where it it traumatically changes an entire person and um i know cte in the nhl is a thing they might tell you it's not but it is a thing you just don't hear about it the same way you do in football and this is how it happens. It's repeated head trauma. And, you know, for Brandon Carlos sake, he's still young. He has a long life ahead of him. He's a great hockey player. And, you know, you, I, I love him on the Bruins who doesn't, but at the same time, you want him to be cognizant of the fact that like, there's a life to live outside of hockey. And if he gets another concussion this year, like shut him down, you know, like this, like, come on, like, this is concerning. Um, yeah. And you, 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 you just start to feel for the player. I mean, that many concussions and that short of a time at his age, it's got to make you a little worried about, you know, his well-being, I guess, after all of it. Yeah. And and it's really the only thing, even even as a fan, as, as a um, media member, you don't, you can't put a game over your personal health. Like you can put the game over shoulder injuries. You can put the game over ankle injuries. You can put the game over any injury to your body other than your head and maybe like a spinal injury. Cause yeah. at, at the end of the day, you, 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 you can't come back from serious head trauma and, yeah, you, need, and you need to really take it seriously. Yeah. And I'm glad that, that, we're talking about this as well because yeah. I myself, I know we've definitely gone on Brandon Carlos ass in the past for not being physical enough, for not taking the body, for not hitting. Yeah. And while that's still true, you want him to start doing that. I mean, you have to think I'm, I'm willing to bet that all of these concussions probably has some sort of factor into his reluctance to take the body. I mean, you're probably. talking about, you're talking about the effects that concussions have on a player. I'm about, 95% certain that this story is about Mark Savard, um, mm. but I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure it's Mark Savard. And he was talking about all of his concussions and what's happened after the repeated head trauma and the concussions that he's had. And um, now, now that I think about it, it might not be Mark Savard, but either way, it was a former NHL player who's had numerous, numerous concussions. And he would say that like he can't turn the lights on in his house because the light yeah. affects his eyes and it gives him such a bad headache. He has to wear sunglasses all the time. Um, he basically would wear like earmuffs or, or he would put stuff in his ears because like loud noises affect him too much. He says he can't leave his house because the sunlight blinds him. And he said, it's just, it's nonstop agony. It's like the worst migraine you've had in your life every single day when you wake up. And it's all from concussions that he's had in hockey. So you start to worry. That's why, you know, we, we bring this up about players of this age, Brandon Carlo, 25, at least five concussions. I'm 
almost positive he's had more than that. But you start yeah. to worry about the player because you don't want him to turn into a person who can't even walk out of his house anymore. And you got to think too, we're only counting NHL concussions. There have for sure been concussions in, you know, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? In, in previous playing instances, I guess, whether it be in like practice and stuff. Oh, right, practice, right, right. Juniors, high school, whatever, any, any level of hockey that he played, he probably got concussions there too. And, and so we're only counting NHL concussions. Um, but either, either way, um, I just, I, I just hope he's, he's fully healthy and, you know, he was saying he couldn't see out of one eye a couple ga- days before the game. And it's like, then why it's is like, he playing? Like that's like, yeah. And it's like, like what are we like doing? You said, like, head injuries are the one injuries that you don't mess around with. Like no. you, you rush a player back from like a wrist injury or a foot injury or whatever it might be. You should never rush a player back from an injury, but still that is, it's not even in the same stratosphere to compare that to a head injury. I mean, right. not to, not to switch sports, but everybody's been talking about Tua, you know, Tua. the Dolphins quarterback, yeah. what happened to him. I mean, he was very – Tua is a guy who has had – again, I'm trying to not go too deep into football here, but Tua is a guy who had repeated injuries in college. He's an injury-prone player. He actually missed a lot of time in college for, I believe it was a hip – he had hip surgery, hip problems senior year or whatever before he was drafted, which is why he fell to six, but that's for a different story. Mm-hmm. And then when he went to Miami, we just saw this year when he got hit and he fell – and he hit the back of his head and he stood up and he took about four steps and he fell to the ground and the dolphins called it a back injury. He went back into the game and everybody was like, what are they doing? It was very clear that he had a concussion. They ended up firing the independent um, person there who, from the league who, who determines if you have a concussion or not to a play the next game. And he hit his head on the ground so hard that's the video that everybody that's been circulating Twitter, he was unconscious. He was his hands. When you have severe neurological trauma like that, you, it's called, uh, I think it was called like fencing or something like that. When your arms go prone and it's like a defense mechanism in your brain and his fingers went all stiff. And that's just from head trauma, repeated head trauma. Cause he had a, a concussion in like back to back weeks and like Brandon Carlo, hearing him say that he couldn't see out of one of his eyes a few days before a game when he just had a concussion about a week ago and now he's playing again after the concussion history that he's had, that to me, I would be like, what the hell are you doing? Like, why are you sending this guy out? So I don't know. It, it's I guess it's something to be wary of going forward. I mean, seriously, like we've talked about concussions before and I've had like four concussions myself. So I concussion, I've, I got freaking story for another day, but I got freaking knocked out at work when some kid took my legs out my senior year of high school. But um. <laughs> Do you remember that? I do remember that. Do you when remember? I was at, oh at Navin? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, we've both had our share of concussions as well, just from playing hockey. Um, and and our level of of hockey wasn't anywhere close to Brandon Carlo's level of hockey. So, the mm. concussions that he's gotten are probably significantly worse than the ones that we've gotten. And and in e- even hours were bad. They're hard to deal with. I mean, you're stuck laying in bed in the dark for a couple of days until until i guess you start feeling a little bit better but yeah but it's it's tough and and just to kind of close on this um nothing is more important than the health um i wouldn't have faulted brandon carlo for taking five months off of the season i like Mm. nothing is more important than your mental health and especially with what evidence that we're seeing 
from from the NFL, from the NHL, from these guys getting concussions just constantly and, and how it affects them later on in life. No sport is worth more than your mental health. Um, and if there's any fans who disagree with that, do you, I don't even know what to say to you. Like you, you just, your morals are not in the right place. Like, like sports are great and all it's awesome. It's my favorite thing in the world, but you, you can't place a sport over someone's personal mental health. It's just not, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So at this time, uh, we're probably about halfway through, um, I want to introduce you guys all to our show advertisement, Candle Wellness. Um, Something's Bruins listeners, it's time to talk about the amazing Candle Wellness company. Candle Wellness offers you four distinct experiences for the different challenges you may face throughout the day. Can of Sleep, Can of Mend, Can of Fresh, and Can of Boost. It's a trusted brand for sports, fitness, and wellness households. With over 50 vitamins, nutrients, and herbal extracts and four compact sprays, it's the most convenient way to get back on track with no pills, water, or messy powders. 90% of nutrients in these oral sprays are absorbed in less than 30 seconds. It's like an entire health food store in your pocket and is endorsed by Olympians, NHL players, and pro sports stars who rely on the Canon Wellness Company to support high performance. Let's talk about each product. Canna Boost gives you the ability to skip the coffee and sugary snacks and energize the healthy way. Use daily before you work out, when studying for an exam, and other times you need increased clarity, stamina, and concentration. Canna Men provides the after-party liver support and works fast to relieve hangovers in the morning after drinking. Boy, I could use that in school. The unique oral spray supplement is blended with 11 vegan vitamins and herbal extracts to replenish your body to combat headaches, sickness, and lack of energy. Can of Fresh reduces stress and gives your body an immune system boost. Whether you're nervous before a presentation or need to calm down after a hectic day, the 11 natural and vegan ingredients in Can of Fresh take the edge off without making you drowsy or unmotivated. Can of Sleep. This all-natural and vegan sleep aid is convenient and fast-absorbing. No mixing beverages, no waiting for gummies to kick in. Just spray, roll over, and snooze. Control your dosage and how much sleep you need. If you want to try these amazing Canna Wellness all-natural oral, spray, oral sprays, please go to canna-wellness.com and use our promo code BNG25. That's BNG25 to get 25% off everything on the cannawellness.com website. We thank Canna Wellness for sponsoring this episode in our weekly Bruins-related podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you, Canna Wellness. So... I think we just uh I think we jump into the DMs right here. I think we do too. I think we do. All right, let me let me read this first Wait. one. Wait. No, no, no. What? Let oh. me read this first one actually cuz it's not hockey related. Okay, you go. If that's okay with you. Okay. Just a quick one. <laughs> this was submitted by a fan of the show, good friend of mine, Ethan Moriarty at E Moriarty WX Storm Chaser. Go check him out if you love storms. Question for the pod. Don't know if you've seen this circulating around Twitter, but it's been a, a pretty hot topic. Do pickles belong on chicken sandwiches? <laughs> yes. I yes, I yeah. could not agree more. I am a what pickle a fiend. I know. I love pickles. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter if it's a Popeye's chicken sandwich, Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. I don't think I've had the one from McDonald's or Burger King. If it's Hattie B's, if you're down in Nashville, they're always putting pickles on that. Pickles belongs in a chicken sandwich, and I will die by that. Although I will say. 
I have had cheese on a chicken sandwich. I don't think it belongs. I would put I pickles on a chicken sandwich over cheese. The perfect, the perfect chicken sandwich to me is mm-hmm. bun, chicken, preferably spicy of some sort. Two to three pickles on top of that. Other bun. That's it. That's all I need. Mm-hmm. I'm a happy man with some fries, preferably. Yeah. No, I, I'm on the pickle train. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm on the. <laughs> I'm on the I'm, I love uh, a, a good. Pickle sandwich. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What's what's your favorite kind of pickle? Dill. Dill pickle. Is that the you one know? that comes in like the um in the jar? Yeah. Well, yeah. There's different kinds so, of dills though. The there's long, like, like the long, the long. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the the it's like the size of like a small water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> What? There's the pickles are huge. They're in a jar. You got there's 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 dill. There's half sour dill pickles. There's dude. They're huge. Pickle the size of a water bottle. No, I said it's like half the size of a water bottle. You know what? Underrated pickle is a sweet gherkin. I don't know if you've ever had one of those. They look like normal pickles, but they're like the size of a stick of like a chapstick. They're really small. Oh, those tiny, tiny ones. (laughs) Yeah, they're like like the size of a a chapstick. Those are sweet gherkins. Those are good. But probably the half sour dill pickles, the ones (laughs) that you just bunch, you just munch into. Those are probably my favorite kind of pickles. Yeah, definitely a pickle guy on sandwiches. Yeah, you're, um, on, the, you're on the pickle train. I'm on the pickle train. Yeah. <laughs> Good question, Ethan. Yeah, thank you, Ethan. Uh, this is a pickle-friendly podcast. A, a, yeah. a, it's a PFP. Um, <laughs> but uh, the next question comes in from Manda on Twitter. Her at is at by Manda with three A's at the end. Um. She asks, unrelated to pickles, she said, do you think Felino's going to be fighting for a spot when Marshawn and McAvoy come back? I do not. I do not either. I no. do not. We the talked about this. But the only thing is, um, and I could be wrong, but I'm 95% sure I'm right, is that if he gets sent down to the AHL, since he already went and cleared waivers, I, I, I don't think that he is eligible to be claimed again i think that's a one and done deal i hope you're right that would be nice but still uh, i don't want him off the team at the, no, no chance. i i agree he's been playing great um i don't I, I i mean i hope he can keep up the level of play that he's been playing so far but for him i don't know if that's possible he's like a point per game player right now talk about a career year but yeah. even if that is possible of what you just said if he has to clear through waivers again there still could be teams that say no just because of the amount of money that he's making. Right. And he's still right. making three million, three, three plus million dollars a year. But um, you know, we talked about this before when we were talking about Jack Stanika, who we didn't even talk about, who poor guy did not have a very good start to the year in his first game there. No, but we, we were not. talking about Stan- we were talking about Stanika, and if he were to be put into this Bruins lineup, who would he replace? And we were saying then nobody because this Bruins team is playing so well there's really nobody I would want to take out to put Jack Stagnica in but Brad Marchand's a different story I mean he's the best player on your team so he's obviously going up on that top line and then if I had to bump somebody out I don't know I think Felino would still be on that fourth line 
I don't know, maybe like Nosek? Maybe Nosek, but he's so valuable on the penalty kill. It's it's tough. Yeah, Honestly, yeah but now you got Marshan back. Marshan right. is even more valuable on the penalty That's kill. True. That's true. Shorthand goal king. Yes, one of the best. One but I don't know. I, I think I think that we've kind of seen um, a revolving door kind of on that fourth line or or sometimes on the third line of they're bringing players up, whether they call AJ Greer up, they let Lauko play, or whoever it is. And I think that once Marshan comes back, I don't think you're going to have that flexibility anymore. To, like Stanika played a game. I don't think you're going to be able to keep swapping guys into that fourth line because now you've only got like one spot left. And I think it's going to get to the point where you really got to sure up those four lines. I would like to see McLaughlin get a chance too. We've talked about him enough. Yeah, but- I would too. I just don't know if I don't know if, uh, as much as it sucks, I don't know if this is the year that he's really going to um, make a consistent impact uh, yeah. on this roster. I just contractually, I think it makes more sense for him to be in Providence, which sucks because I love him. Yeah. It, okay. When Marshan comes back, right? Obviously, he slots into that that left winger on that top line. There's still going to be some movement in terms of players coming in and coming out, whether they be sliding into the third. Well, I think Zach is probably going to show up that third line. So the fourth line player is going to be coming in and coming out. If, if you had to, if you had four lines that you had to roll with for the rest of the season, so you're not calling up players anymore. These are your four lines. Who would they be for you? Mm, oh, that's so tough. I mean, you got to so, I mean, go like more... you would have to m- make a decision between like AJ Greer or Lauko or Stanika, like, you can only AJ Greer definitely over Lauko. Um, yeah. but we're, we're talking fully healthy, fully healthy. Give me your four lines Marshawn, Bergeron, DeBrusque, Hall, Krejci, Pashanak, Zaka, Coyle, Zaka, Coyle, Greer, and then you go Felino. Felino, Noshek, and Frederick. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, I I think that's that's a really round. That's a good rounded out group. It's tough. It's a good problem to have. Like it's a it's a very good problem to have, but it's tough because you take one guy out and it's like, damn, like he kind of deserves to be playing right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you can say that for so many players on this team. And it's like you said, it's a great problem to have, you know, to, to have be six and one and to have trouble moving one guy out of your lineup and to have your best player be coming back from an injury, your best offensive player come back from injury is insane. But um, I think I would have to agree with you. I wasn't sure if you were going to pick um, Frederick for that fourth line. And I'm glad you did. I think that that would be a really well-rounded line with him and center. You got Felino on the left wing. And who else you say? Noshik on, on the other. Yeah. Even like Trent Frederick. I wouldn't mind seeing him get some fourth time minute, but um, wait, who do we just say? For the, for the fourth line? Yeah. Felino, um, Frederick. And... Oh, I, I, I meant Lauko. Oh, I oh, wouldn't oh. mind seeing Lauko play as well, but I think if I had to pick yeah, between Lauko and Trent Frederick, I would probably pick Frederick just for now. They even it's got Wagner. Tough. They still got Wagner in Providence. Still have yeah, yeah. call him still, up. Shit, McLaughlin. I mean, Beecher. Yeah. There's so many guys. It's so it's crazy. The, yeah. the bottom six depth that this team has is kind of nuts. <laughs> I think I think we were. I remember we were talking in in the preseason and especially before the year started about when Fabian Lysel was going to get the call. 
I don't think he's coming this year. If they're if no, they're no playing chance. if if the team's playing like I mean, first of all, they're six and one. You're not gonna bring that guy up here if if you're winning games, you bring him up here to sell tickets. Second of all, where the hell would he play? Because like we've said, who are you bumping down? He's not a fourth line player. You're gonna put him on your top three lines and nobody deserves to move. I will say about uh Lysol, this is not this I wouldn't expect to see him in Boston unless some catastrophic cataclysmic <laughs> event happens um you first reason for me personally is you don't if he comes up and he plays more than i think it's um i think it's six games more than six regular season games that automatically burns a year off of his contract so mm. i'm not i don't want to do that at all especially this year with the amount of depth that we seem to have right now don't do it this year don't even don't even think about it let him go let him play in providence uh, let him develop. Let him, let him get his game together. Um, and if he's absolutely killing it, like, and I mean, like, killing it, like, more than a point a game in Providence by the time the playoffs roll around and we're kind of looking for another offensive threat, then maybe we can think about it. But, and this isn't because I think he's bad or anything, but at in the regular season this year, I do not want to see him in Boston. I don't want to see yeah. him in Boston. I want to see him play in Providence and develop. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Although I will say, I don't remember who on Twitter it is, but somebody that I follow has been sharing quite a few Fabian Lysol highlights in Providence. And oh my God, he looks (laughs) really good. So that is definitely exciting. It's funny because I was thinking earlier when you were talking about Pasternak and how when he first came into the league, his... uh his his puck control and his his ability to make plays with the puck wasn't you know top tier the way it is now and i feel like that's kind of similar to what lysel is right now like he's got the offensive skills he's got the offensive mindset that's going to make him a successful player in the league but his his ability to keep up with the pace of play right now at the nhl level just isn't there yet which is fine it's not a criticism at all it's just it's it's just something that he needs to work on um and you know you you don't want to bring him up here too early and and rattle his cage. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, for for a team that that is is so thin on prospects, and before the season started, we thought was lacking so much depth. They've yeah. done a lot to to prove us wrong. I mean, prospect wise, they still don't have a lot of prospects. I mean, Fabian Lysel. We've talked about this before. I mean, he's the Bruins' best prospect, but. You know, he's probably like around between three and five, I think, on most elite teams. Yes, I would say John Beecher isn't up there at the skill wise till I sell. But John Beecher, I feel like he's definitely risen his uh, his um, his ceiling, his ceiling. Yeah. Thank you. Jesus Christ. I could not think of the word. People were I saw a lot of tweets from you when you were at development camp were pumped about Beecher. Just the way that not so much about. like his natural game but more about how he was learning to play in the sense of he's a big guy big body he was finally using it not just to hit people but in terms of puck possession in terms of getting an advantage in front of the net i mean that is stuff when you're a big guy like john beecher is so paramount and especially when you're playing in the middle of the ice when you're going from net to net that's what Bergeron is so good at is using his body because Bergeron, you'll see him, he'll bop people off the puck. He'll he'll shield people off and, and Beecher is no Bergeron, but that is huge to his game if he starts developing that. You know who else too? Who? Charlie Coyle. I've, I yeah. see a lot of Charlie Coyle and John Beecher. A lot of That's a good Charlie comp. Coyle. 
Well, th- he's big. He's big like Coil. He protects the puck like Coil. And the thing that Beecher has that Coil may actually lack is speed. John Beecher, Ooh. when he gets going, he flies up the ice. He is oh, so he motors. He's got. Oh both yeah, well, he, on, yeah. He was part of that loaded Michigan team that they had down there. Um, I remember. You know I remember actually, when. That's funny because he was on the third line at that on that Michigan team. So like, did they did they even win the cha- the national championship? No. <laughs> That's right, baby. Yeah. I remember that year. Um, I think that was the year that that Quinnipiac was like a win away from going to the national championship, and then they yeah. lost to yeah. um, I think North Dakota or something. Who ended up? No, no, no. I think they lost to UMass actually. Oh, by the way, since we're talking about college hockey, did you see the brawl between Omaha and I think it was uh, I I think it was a Minnesota team, but there's a there there was a it was hilarious. It was like it was like old school. Like they were they were in the handshake line apparently, and then and then it all just broke loose, and there were four refs trying to control. Oh my god! Did you see? I, I think it might have been Minnesota. Oh my god, as you nice. as you freaking die away from the mic. I think it might have been Minnesota when it was like a one on one and it was like it was like a one one game or maybe they they were down two one. And uh this kid on Minnesota like was at the top of the slot just inside the blue line and like ripped the wrist shot, kind of fanned on it, hit the defenseman stick, five hole in the goalie, just a, a brutal goal to let in. And then the kid from Minnesota skated over to the boards and tossed his stick over the glass I in celebration. Yeah. And then, um, in in first of all, the most humiliating thing that could ever happen to you. Not only does he toss his stick in the glass, so suddenly he turns around. And if you've ever seen a hockey player skate without a stick, it's like a freaking deer on ice. It just looks <laughs> so unnatural. It's so awkward. And now this kid who just scored is like kind of like shuffling back to the bench while his teammates are coming over. He's got no stick. He just looks awkward. The fan that caught his stick threw his stick back onto the ice. If that's not – that is so embarrassing. And then to put the cherry – on top of the cake, he got a 10 minute misconduct <laughs> penalty for doing that. And it was like, if you watch the replay of the goal, he literally just like it was like a line change. Like, he's like, ah, just shoot it. It just like took a wrist shot from just inside the blue line. The puck never left the ice. I think it went in five hole. And then this kid just went like full, like freaking Ovi. Like, I'm the man, tosses a stick over the glass. And it was like, what are you doing, dude? Like, what are you thinking? You just like, <laughs> What are you doing? Like you're just you're sick of the crowd and you just got a ten minute penalty. Like like that has it to was I'm, so funny. I'm just thinking like right when he right when he felt the stick release from his hands, he must have been like oh, what shit. am I what, what am I doing right now? <laughs> Too late now, can't get that back. If you if you haven't seen the video, I'm almost positive it was Minnesota. You gotta find it on Twitter because that was the funniest shit that I think I've ever seen. It was it like I get secondhand embarrassment all the time. And like I could hardly look at my phone when I saw him toss his stick. I was like, what an idiot. Why would you do that? And then I'm glad I kept looking because then the next clip was him just standing in the penalty box <laughs> because he got a 10-minute misconduct. <laughs> like come on like that's just the that's the biggest brain fart of brain farts like oh my like, god it was so funny okay and okay he's a, and, I, he's, and he's a college kid like you're not it's not like he's got like a bower endorsement yeah. where he's getting free sticks he just talked <laughs> 250 dollars into the stands after scoring a five-hole goal <laughs> all right i got another question here from ethan yeah um oh wait before you do that we kind of already touched on it um 
we got a question from Zachary Dexter at Dexstar37. He said, winger situation with Marshan coming back. What do you have for lines? Well, Zachary, we kind of just answered it in that last <laughs> segment. So we did a little backwards, but there you go. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, boy, I really hope DeBrusque's, DeBrusque's been playing great. But with Marshan on yep. that top line on the opposite wing, the only thing that kind of worries me, and maybe it's just me being weird, I, I hate when wingers play their offside. So you're going to have a left-handed Marshy on the left wing and a left-handed DeBrusque on the right wing. I don't think it's a big deal, but I don't know why. That's just – it's always kind of bought. Like Patrick Kane plays right wing. He's a lefty. Um, Artemi Panarin, I believe, plays right wing. He's a lefty. Or maybe it's flipped and he plays left wing, but he's a righty. But either way, I don't know. That's always bothered me. See, the thing – normally I would agree with you, right? But – the thing with DeBrusque is the chances that he creates off the rush when he's going one-on-one with the defender, right? And he's kind of he's kind of leaning his shoulder into him, protecting the puck on the opposite side. And then he's able to slide it to the front and just kind of chip it in on net. Like, do you know what I'm talking about? His net yeah. drive. His net drive is nice. And I feel like that kind of um correlates him correlates with him being on that off wing because it allows him to use his body and then just kind of shuffle the puck up and just throw throw a puck on net. That's true, yeah. And and the I do the see where defen- you're coming from though. The defenseman in me too also acknowledges the one-timer opportunities that he has making a living down there at the bottom of the circle when you have a, a playmaker who does a lot more than just make plays and Brad Marshan who can feed you the puck sometimes and even Marshan, I mean, um he can swap on the other side and, and they can go around and Marshan can start teeing up one-timers from that side. So there is a potential there for uh, some offensive fireworks, but I think for the most part, I think that the lines stay pretty consistent. You just shuffle Marshan up there on the top line and people fall into place. But um, um, what the hell is this? Zaka on that third line? And yep. uh, who do we say will be playing left wing? Uh, Zaka Coyle. Zaka Coyle. AJ Greer. AJ Greer. That's going to be some fireworks. That's going to be a, a fun great line. line right there. That's going to be a this Coyle team is, and Greer. This team is so deep. I'm so excited. Okay, okay. Let me get to the other question from Ethan. This kind of goes in part with uh, the tweet that you made earlier today talking about Bruce Cassidy and Jim Montgomery about who's having the better season. Obviously, both of their respective teams are at the top of the conference, or the league, actually, when nobody really expected that. So Ethan asked, besides the Bruins, who is the biggest surprise team so far this season? Ooh. Ooh, that's a good question. That is a good question. Um, hmm. in my mind right now, I want to say Dallas because I didn't think that Dallas was going to be a world beater, but it's really because of Ottinger right now. Um, Ottawa's third in our division. You know what? You know what? You know what? What? Mel? Tell me. Tell me. You know what? I really hope you don't take my team. Is I'm going to say a team in our division. They wear blue and gold. Oh. Damn it. Wait, Buff- keep going. The Buffalo Sabres. Oh, no, that wasn't going to be my team. The Buffalo Sabres. If you really, if you, I don't know how many of you guys are really uh, watching outside of Boston um, NHL games, right? But if you watch the Sabres, this, I'm telling you, and I was saying this in the beginning of the season too, before anything even started, the Sabres have a different vibe around them. They're having fun. They're playing with pace, and they have players on their team who are legitimate threats. You got Tage Thompson, 
You've got Alex Tuck. Rasmus Dahlin has, he just set a new record in the NHL, five straight games for a defenseman with a goal. Um, Owen Power, rookie, looks phenomenal. Um, uh, Victor Olafson, the only problem that they have right now, and it's not really a problem right now, but I feel like it will be in the future, is goaltending. Because they've got uh, like a 42-year-old Craig Anderson in net, and then I believe the other one is uh, Eric Comrie. And they're playing pretty good, both of them too. I mean, I, honest, honest to God, dude, the only bad team in the division, and I know this isn't related to the question at all, but the only bad team in the division is Montreal. <laughs> like that's yeah. it. Which brings a smile to my face because I mean, who doesn't like watching Montreal lose? Yeah. Which is funny that you bring Montreal because my surprise team is a team that's tied with them, the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're three yeah. and four. Ooh. What the hell's going on with that? Steven Stamkos, by the way. Have you seen yeah. – he had like seven goals for the first six games or something like that. But Tampa's lost to some ass teams. They, I know the Flyers started off like 4-0. They lost to the Flyers. They started the year off with a loss to the Rangers. The Rangers are pretty good. They got smacked by the Penguins 6-2, and they yep. just lost to the Kings. I mean, that's yep. not – this is the Tampa Bay freaking lightning. I mean, that's not a good start of the year for them, especially – I mean – they're going to be fine. There's a lot of hockey left, but especially when we talk about how imperative it is in this division to get off to a good start in the yep. team that everybody thought is going to be the king of the East as they have been the last four or five years now to have lightning three and four starts, same record as the team that just finished with the worst record in the league last year, the Montreal Canadians. How about Toronto too? Toronto's four and three. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. Like you said, senators, a team that's been, Pretty bad for literally our entire life. Four and two. Bruins, nobody expected them to be this hot out of the gate. Six and one. Florida Panthers, four, two and one. You got Maple Leafs, who were under 500 until a few days ago. Tampa Bay and Montreal, both three and four. I will say, too, Austin Matthews threw seven games, one goal. One I'm so glad you and Nick Felino has like three times the goals this year that Austin <laughs> Matthews has. We're getting that started, by the way. If you follow me on Twitter, hashtag Fully Goat. Yeah, this Fully is Nick Goat. Felino's season. This is gonna be his career year, and I am pumping his break. I'm, I'm him and uh, Connor Clifton are both my darlings of this season. I am the I am the conductor of their hype train. I will be riding them all year. Actually, can we can we talk about Connor Clifton really quick? Absolutely. You know, about, did you, did you dude? Did you see uh, that? Hit, uh, did you uh, see his sequence? Rupe hints through the glass yes. and then beat that then, guy's face off. Yeah, dude, it was that. Colin Miller. It was Colin Miller. He beat up. Oh, Colin that was Colin Miller. Miller. Yes. Oh, he was on the Bruins for like two weeks. <laughs> what is going? What is going on with Connor Clifton right now? You know, you know what it is. You know what it is. He probably was it us shit talking. He he might be a fan of the pop. First of all, I never should talk to Connor Clifton. He's a, I did. He's a fellow QU I alum. Did. I will I never talk down on that man. But I said he I on, said he couldn't throw a chuck a puck over the glass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, honestly, he, maybe he sees the writing on the wall. I mean, it's 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 not a secret that he's the sixth, seventh defenseman. They just brought Strawman in. McAvoy's coming back. Grizzlick just came back. Carlo just came back. I mean, he's seriously fighting for some minutes here. We already know the Bruins are going to have to move some people down the line as these guys come in, as these guys become healthy, just to make some some money work. And Clifton, I think he, what, does he only make like, he makes less than a million dollars a year. So you would have to move more than Clifton. If I'm not mistaken, it's less than a million. You would have to move more than Clifton. But with the amount of, of 
not just the amount of defensive bodies they have on this team. They have like nine defensemen who can play regular NHL minutes, but they're all good. Like you have some good defensemen, like him and Forbert. That uh, that third pairing was like fourth in the league. Uh, oh, I think it was. They just oh, released yeah. uh, you, the top, yeah, top eleven, Twitter. top eleven defensive pairings in terms of efficiency, and I believe they were eight. And that's the Bruins' third defensive pairing. And actually, <laughs> I want to find that. I want to find that and bring it up because, well, it, like, while they, they deserve it, a lot of praise. Yeah, while you look for it, I will say, too, um, Clifton has been more physically engaged this year, like, by a yeah. lot. And Montgomery's quote on Clifton, he goes, I think his timing on hits is incredible. Like, he rocks people. Like, yeah, I'm, you can you imagine? Like, Bruce Cassidy wouldn't say that. Like, Jim Montgomery's pumping his own players' tires. Like, yeah, you know what he reminds me a lot of is uh, he's got a little bit of Tory Krug in him. His a little, offensive honestly, game, a little and bit. Tory, Tory Krug, every now and then, everybody remembers that hit he had against St. Louis in this in the cup final. But every now and then, Tory Krug will just pop off and put somebody through the freaking glass. And and I hope this is something that we're going to see a lot of coming from Connor Clifton because this defensive unit you have. McAvoy, who's built like a freaking oak tree. You have mm-hmm. Brandon Carlo, who's six six. You have um, uh, Hampus Lindholm, who's like six four, six five, I think, around the same height. And then the rest of these guys are all like six two and below. So like these guys are gonna have to take the body, and it's definitely encouraging to see one of the smallest guys in your team, not just height wise, but like he's like one hundred and fifty pounds soaking yeah, wet. Not, like Connor Clifton like is going out there, yeah, and he's putting hints through the glass, and then he's beating the shit out of Colin Miller. Like that's exciting. And I found this graphic here. It was best defensive pairings with at least fifty minutes played together. Um, I'll give you. I'll, I'll point out some of the big names here. You got uh, Devin Taves and Kale McCarr are second. Um, I'm trying to elite. look at. Uh, yeah, elite. I think it's it's uh, it's. I don't really know what this ranking is off of. There's a bunch of numbers in front of me with percentages and shit, but yeah, it's one um, of those like, like analytical, like, yeah, super yeah. analytical ones. You have Dougie Hamilton and Siegenthaler from the devil's third. Um, let's keep going down here. Um, Oh, wouldn't you know? Number 11, Connor Clifton and Derek Forbert. Who would have thought? And that's your third pairing. And and I mean, I know you also have to take in mind your third defensive pairing usually plays against the third and fourth lines of the opposing team. But the fact that they're like doing as well as they are, and it's not just efficiency wise. I mentioned, I think it was last episode, Forbert was as of last week was second in the league in plus minus. He was like a plus six. The two of them at that point were like a point per game player. Like they were electric when the two of them were out in the ice together. And like there's some they're that, that pairing is rubbing the shoulders with some pretty elite names here. And again, I know it's seven games into the year and there's a lot of hockey left to be played, but we were talking about the forwards in terms of, you know, when, when people come back and if they call players up, who are you pulling out? I think you have the same problem with your defensive unit right now. You know, Grizzly just came back and Carlo just came back. And and when, when McAvoy comes back, I mean, you're going to look at these guys and go, damn, who do you want there for your third pairing? Because you definitely have some options. I don't know who they take. This This is the first time I, in a while that the Bruins have had this kind of depth where people are coming off injury and you're like, shit. Like, yeah. who do we take out? Yeah, no, exactly. And like like thinking about pairing wise, I don't I know they just they just brought him in. I don't really care too much for, for Strawman, I guess, comparing him to the other defensemen. I feel I feel better about yeah. I'll I'll put it this way. If you're if you're building defensive units off of um, pairing, so your first pairing would be who? 
Um, it would be probably what McAvoy and Lindholm second or McAvoy and, and Carlo, whoever it is. Your your top four defensemen is some combination of McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, and Grizzlick. So yes. you have one pairing left. If Clifton is playing, I want Clifton playing with forward just because yeah. the way that they've been playing together. But at the same time, I don't exactly want to pull Mike Riley out either because I think that he's really been contrib- he's been he's been burned very badly on a couple goals <laughs> when he when he when he steps up and misses. But he's also done a lot in terms of keeping the offense going. I think that when you play that style of of, of defense, you're gonna get burned and unfortunately that's just the nature of trying to be an offensive defenseman. And it seems like in Montgomery's system, they're really trying to focus on getting defensemen involved. There was one play specifically I remember where it was, it was a two on one. And then out of nowhere, Clifton came screaming up the wing and it became a three on one. And I think he hit the post. It almost went in, but he went yes. right down behind the goal line. You had against the ducks. Hampus Lindholm is down behind the net. Uh, battling on the boards in the offensive zone. That's something you never see from defensemen. But this Bruins offense has been flying to start the year. And the defenseman's ability to keep the puck in, to make plays, and to take risks successfully has been a big catalyst in that. And Mike Riley has been huge in keeping some of these offensive sequences going and keeping the puck in and keeping the pressure on. And sometimes he's going to get burned because that just happens. And he's been burned again really badly a few times that have led directly to goals. But it's hard because I don't exactly want to pull him out of the lineup. I think he's a good third pairing. But if Clifton's playing, I want him with Forbert. And if Forbert's playing, I want him with Clifton because we just read that off. They're the 11th most efficient defensive pairing in all of hockey to start the year. So it's definitely, it's it's a good problem to have. I mean, talk about depth everywhere, right? You got depth at, at forward. You got depth everywhere. at defense. You got two good freaking goalies when, whenever yeah. Swayman gets whatever's going on figured out. I mean, this is like, I can't remember like the time that I felt this optimistic about the Bruins. And it's funny because I'm sure you could go back and listen to the first three to four podcasts that we made. And like, (laughs) I don't like, we were shitting on them. Like absolutely. Like, like I will say I I had confidence. I had confidence. You did. You definitely did. did. And I I will be the first to admit I did not. And I know we're seven games into the year. I want to keep, keep making sure that everybody remembers that there's a, there's a lot, there's over 75, there's 75 games left. There's a lot of hockey left to be played, but I feel entirely different than i did two months ago and a lot of people do a lot of people do and and it's it's been the play of of everybody it's not just bergeron coming back and playing well creachy playing well pasta doing what he does but it's more so like the third and fourth line is popping off your defensive unit is looking strong when they're not playing the ottawa senators (laughs) linus olmark is suddenly like the best goalie in the league or playing like it like montgomery we had questions about montgomery the videos that the bruins tweeted today of the bruins in the locker room when aj Greer got that puck when he had three games like it 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 just it feels different like this team has a different aura around it than they've had in the past and i don't know how you can watch them play this season and to see all of the stuff that these players are doing and like not be really excited about the team this year yeah, and and if for those of you who didn't see the video that Mel's talking about, um, it, I forget what game it was, but AJ Greer, I believe, had a goal and two assists. So I think he had two goals and one assist. I think it was the goals, game he had okay. the empty netter. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, so he had a go- two goals and an assist, and so Jim Montgomery gives him the game puck. But 
in that same game, Nick Foligno got his 500th point in the NHL. And, you know, A.J. Greer stands up with the puck. He gives a little speech. And then he gives the puck away to Nick Foligno. And it's it's it may not seem like a giant thing, but in terms of of talking about how how connected this locker room is with each other, um, you know, AJ Greer just gave Nick Foligno the the game puck and and you know moved all the um, all the praise and all the credit over to Nick Foligno's stall in the locker room, and it, it just shows this team is invested in each other and not just in in themselves and kind of making their uh their footprint be known in the nhl they're they're connected with each other and they're fighting for each other and they're and they're battling for each other and it just goes to show how how special this team is right now right now i'm not saying in general but right now based on what we've seen this team is doing something that nobody expected i guarantee you nobody who is giving you know preseason predictions would have said in seven games the Boston Bruins would be six one and zero. There's no way. There's no mm-hmm. way. No way. I agree. There's a lot. There's a lot to be excited about. And um, here's one more thing. This is a question from. Well, actually, I guess this you would not be excited about this, but this is from Andrew on Twitter. He's at awaz wz forty eight. He asks if the Bruins win it all this year. Oh boy, which would be great. That'd be cool. Does Patrice Bergeron call it a career? No. I think he comes back for one more year. I really do. I don't know why. I just think he does. It's 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 funny you say that because I feel I feel the exact same. I feel like he's coming back next year unless yeah. they win the cup. I think if they win, I think he's done. I think he's bad yeah, to on top. this would this would be his it seemed like he was really on the fence about coming back next year. Um, I know everybody was saying that, um, you know, it's probably because of Bruce Cassidy. It's, you know, Montgomery Creek just coming back, all, all these factors. But Bergeron has said that that wasn't the case. And he really sat down with his family, with his wife, and talked about if he wanted to come back or not. And they decided, yeah, he'll come back for one more ride. I feel like if he wins the Stanley Cup, I feel like he's obviously playing for the Stanley Cup, but I think he's playing for more than that. I feel like maybe part of him is like, like you know, like this is my last year with Krejci, my last year with Pasta, my last year in front of these fans, my last year wearing this sweater with the C on it. Like I'm going to embrace this. And I think that if the Bruins win the cup, I think he's done. But at the same time, I think if the Bruins make like a deep playoff run or even not, if they get bounced early and like Krejci's committed to coming back next year, Pasternak resigns, they're bringing back the same core. Part of me thinks Bergeron's going to be like, you know what, screw it. Let's do it. This let's do this thing one more time. But I think all of that is wiped if the Bruins win the cup this year. I think he'll he would go out on top. Honestly, and if and if that does happen, I wouldn't even be upset. I would be like, you Me know either. what? You know what, Bergeron? You just had one of the best careers ever. You spent it in Boston and you just won a cup. And good for you. Retire on top. You know, don't come back another year and then lose in like the second round. Like that, yeah, that, yeah. that would be so brutal. But yeah. I feel like he's I feel like he isn't done unless Krejci's done. I feel like they're they're both uh, gonna mm. go out in the same year. I feel that way too. I definitely yeah. I like I, I definitely feel like if the Bruins get bounced and Krejci's committed to coming back next year, I feel like Bergeron's back as well. And I feel and and just to play in the into that same um you know 
mindset. Same thought, thought, thought process mindset. I feel like if Krejci didn't come back this year, I don't think Bergeron would come back this year either. I, I feel I, that as well. Yeah, I feel that as well. And I and it's it, there's something to be said too about I like how you mentioned that Bergeron's played his whole career in Boston because mm-hmm. I have never seen an athlete, a Boston athlete, not get disrespected or talked dirty about by the media other than Bergeron. Yeah, it's they've true. said stuff about Pasta about Pasternak. They've they've even said stuff about Krejci. They said stuff about Chara. They've said stuff about switching between sports, Mookie Betts, Devers. They've said stuff about David Ortiz. This the Red Sox, the Boston media continue the to call David Brady. Ortiz. Yeah, they've called David Ortiz and Tom Brady the two golden boys of this city cheaters forever. Yeah. And like those are your guys and there's nobody has ever whispered ever anything negative about Patrice Bergeron in this city. I've because never everything heard a bad that word. he does on the ice, off the ice, the guy played against the Blackhawks in 2013 with a freaking broken rib, punctured lung, uh, whatever. He had something wrong with his knee or some shit. I mean, the guy's laid it out on the ice for his team every single game. It doesn't matter what team. If it's Team Canada in the Olympics, everybody on that team, a team with Sidney Crosby, they look to Bergeron. If it's the Bruins, even though Char was wearing the C all those years and he was a hell of a leader of himself – they would look to Bergeron for stuff. And yeah. it's just, there's something to be said about playing for, in my opinion, I think in the opinion of other people as well, the most difficult city to play in for a home player to have a career here. And Bergeron has navigated that so effortlessly. It is yeah. truly amazing of, of how respected he is by not just players, but media fans, everybody alike. And if, and if any, the only ones I'm really thinking of are like 98.5, right? If they yeah. even said a bad word about Bergeron, they would have Bruins fans up their ass in like two seconds. Their ratings would plummet. Yeah. Absolutely plummet. I mean, but I it, already it, don't listen, so. I, yeah, I can't either. But <clears throat> it, 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 like it's, it really is funny because like we've talked about like the, the pillars of Boston sports athletes in this city for the last couple decades. I mean, you know, Chara, Tom Brady, David Ortiz – um, Paul Pierce, KG, how you can throw Kyrie in there, but Kyrie, I think, was well deserved for the shit that he did. They had something bad to say about every player in this city who's worn a Boston jersey, and I've yep. never heard anything bad about Patrice Bergeron. Maybe somebody can find a clip and like share with us on Twitter where they talk shit about Patrice Bergeron, but I, I seriously don't think that that clip exists. I don't either, but I will say. We just got a very last minute DM. Whoa. This is from longtime friend Will Shabazian. You can find him on Twitter at Will Shabazian. And thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and his question is Do I buy the reverse retro jersey when it comes out or wait for the winter classic to drop? The, can we, the reverse retros. I, there's a handful of people who don't like them, and then I think a majority of people really like them. I, I think that they're some them. of they're probably my. I think last episode I said that my favorite Bruins jersey was the Walking Bear one, the third jersey yeah, they had in those early one. twenty teens. Yeah. Well, that's now my second favorite jersey because I think that this <laughs> white 
Pooh Bear jersey that they just announced is like the most beautiful jersey I think I've ever – and it's perfect. I was even looking at the it little is. details because obviously it has like the spiked kind of mountain range on the bottom, which is so very classic and distinctive with that Pooh Bear logo. Yeah. But also on the shoulders, they did it a little differently where it kind of comes down from both sides and it ends in a point right at the corner of their shoulder. And then it just says Bruins. Like it, it just yeah. – it's just – like all of the little details, I think are so perfect. But the Winter Classic jersey, do we know we anything know what about they look that? Like. I would say, do we know anything about that jersey yet? Nope, not a thing. I would think that's tough. That's tough. It, this this reverse retro jersey is it only for one year, or are they going to be bringing it back, or do we know anything? I mean, I think the I I know I know for a fact the reverse retro jerseys take two years to make. So we won't have another one for at least two years if they do it again. Okay, then listen. This is what I would do. I would buy that Winter Classic jersey. And next year, I would buy the alternate reverse retro Pooh Bear one. Okay, well, Will, I, you have run into a problem because I say buy the reverse retro oh. jersey. <laughs> you know what I say? I say buy both. <laughs> just, just send all your money to the Jacobs. I know I will be. But, yeah. uh, but um yeah i mean i say get the reverse retro but you know with that being said we are about an hour and a half hour 45 minutes into the pod whatever we're at right now um but you know i'd like to thank did we forget anything did we forget anything or is, is did we run through everything um i think, I think we, we through everything yeah i think I we think hit we everything. everything i was thinking we talked about brad martian right yeah, 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 coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, yeah, we talked about yeah, good. everything. Yeah. Good. Wait, hang yeah. on. Here's a question. Here's one question. All when right. do you think this episode will be dropping? Tomorrow morning, for sure. Perfect. 10, then guess 10, what? 20, wait, what is today? Yeah, 1027. Then guess what? What? Get a little closer to your uh, to your headphones, whatever you're listening to. It's freaking game day. It's Bruins game are playing day, tonight. Maybe. Who are they playing? The Detroit Red Wings. The Detroit game. Red Wings. Big game. Literally, we get to see that mauling six foot six, two hundred and sixty pound line that the Red Wings play. Bruins are home. Seven o'clock puck drop on Nesson. Jack Edwards, Annie Brickley, the whole gang. Sully and I will be watching it at his house in his backyard yes, around a fire. Maybe streaming the game. Who knows? Also Thursday night football. Tom Brady's playing. Watch what you want. <laughs> know the Bruins will be on. Let's freaking go. Hey. And this is going to be, this is, you know what? This is actually kind of a big game. You can't let Detroit come into Boston and get that win. You Divisional can't. game. You're but, right. And it's the, also, it's the first game of a back-to-back. They got Columbus the next night. Yes. But I, and I will say too, Detroit's not a team that, um, you know, you're going to be okay with giving two points. Uh, you want to take two points away from them. They're a divisional team. They're a team that's not bad anymore. They're easily a team that could push for a wild card spot. Um, take those two points, separate this lead in the division as much as you can, and just keep rolling. Just keep rolling. Let's keep get rolling, baby. I mean, hey, I was saying in the beginning of the season, eight two and zero. We've lost one time. I wasn't that far off. Listen, it's very, it's very realistic that the Bruins go eighty one and one. I mean, that's... who's saying they don't? I'm saying they I'm will. Cer- I'm certainly not saying that they won't, <laughs> baby. It's looking good. <laughs> I'm feeling good. I mean, that... Ooh, baby, we're 6-1-0 right now. 
on pace for an 81 in one season. Oh, never how can it get any better than the this? Game. Never, never, never. Not once. Uh, not no, one never. time. Not one time. But Whose chair is this? <laughs> but you can edit hey, clips. Sorry. Hey, with that being said, this was episode. I, you know what? I'd like to remind everybody we are in partnerships with the at BNG Productions on Twitter, Black and Gold Productions LLC. Um, you can follow them on you Twitter. Who else at BNG is on Productions. Twitter? Me. Also, our Twitter account is on Twitter. The Something's our Brewing Twitter Podcast. Account. Give us a follow at Brewing Something. No G at the end of it. We're at 84 followers right now. This episode drops tomorrow. Uh, Wednesday, uh, Thursday, October 27th. By the time we record our next episode, let's see if we can get that to 100. 100. Triple digits. 100 followers. That's, that's 16 people. I think 16. it's doable. I we think need that's 16 more people. Fair. That's one less than the number that's on my wall right now. So That's not a fully number, is it? You know what? That's not going to make sense to anybody listening. I have a Lucci's jersey on my wall. <laughs> but... <laughs> but um, yeah, follow us on Twitter. Um, our Twitter account, the uh, podcast channel, the, the holy crap, the podcast account will tweet out the um, link to our Twitch channel. It will be putting out polls all the time, uh, interacting with you guys, um, putting links out to the pod, um, a bunch of interesting stuff. Follow us. Why not? Right? Yeah. Why not? Follow yeah, us. Go for but, it. If you yeah. want. If you want to, I'm not going to pressure you. Hey, you do what you want to do. You do what you want to do. But I'm just saying it's a good time. That's all I'm saying. But, um, yeah, with that being said, uh, we are the Something's Brewing Podcast. This was episode 13. You can follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan for all the Bruins tweets in the world. I don't tweet about anything else. Um, <laughs> you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore. He tweets about the Pats, the Sox, the Bruins, the Celtics. Sometimes um, I, I just tweet about whatever comes to my head. I mean, I yeah. don't know. It's not always sports related. I I can tell you one thing. I do tweet about the Red Sox and the Patriots sometimes. I don't give, and I'm sorry to all listening who care about the sport, but I'm just going to say it. I don't give a flying fuck about the Celtics. I don't give a single. That is unbelievably disrespectful. If you follow me, you will see plenty of Celtics tweets <laughs> because I am a Celtics mega fan. And I also write for, shameless plug, I write for Hardwood Houdini on the side. So uh, I, although I need to get back on that, I haven't been able to write an article in like two months. I've been so busy. Oof. Yeah, they're gonna kick <laughs> but, me out. <laughs> hey, but um, I'm kidding. I want to see the Celtics have success. I just, I, I, they're just my last sport out of all the major. Four. Listen, I, 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 I know this is, this will be the only time, probably not, but I'll try to <laughs> have this be the only time I'll talk about Celtics on this show. As hot as the Bruins have started this year. Boston's other team, the Celtics, has started out scorching hot. Three and one. They got uh, one of the, the best, I think the second best offense in the game right now. They got Tatum looking like an MVP candidate. Things are looking up for the reigning Eastern Conference champs. Hey, all I can say is let's have two successful seasons at the Garden. Let's I agree. go. Let's, let's hang go. two new banners in the Garden let's this year. Hang huh? two new, number 18 and then whatever the heck number it is for the Bruins. I think it's I think it seven. Like seven or eight, something like that. Yeah, something around that far away from Celtics, but it doesn't matter. But, <laughs> but with that being said, this is Something's Brewing episode 13, and we will see you guys next week. Week.
dude, this planet's got some bad luck with asteroids. It, it My does. Goodness. I hope it happens again soon. I want to experience something fun. Uh, dude, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> you have a great view of it. Just to see what would happen. 